All right, everybody. So it's it's Rowdy, it's Calvin, What's it's up? Tank. We're all here together, and we're gonna be talking about historical trauma and the folks that were affected by the historical trauma. We're gonna talk about some evidence because I looked up some scientific evidence of some of these things, so we could talk about some of that stuff. So when people are like, historical trauma, I don't know about all that. There's What's no that? evidence of that. What's like, that? Like, like, are we haunted from one generation to the next? I'm like. Kinda. We're gonna show you how it works and yeah. what it looks like. Yeah. So with that, we're gonna look in further podcasts. Uh, so this one's gonna focus on the affected. We're gonna look at the bystander, and then we're gonna look at the afflicted, the ones that perpetuated it. So we have a sense of what that does for a whole society, because you have to look at it through each person's lens. Yeah. But holistic. So, holistic. So Calvin, tell us more about the affected. Got to think about populations that had an interruption of their social order, their way of life, where their arts, religion, and sciences was invaded, hijacked, beaten out of them, stolen from them, killed out of them, Language. raped out of them, terrorized out of them, tricked out of them, where they became dependent upon an invasive way of life. Within that effect, basically takes people back to a, a space of almost like an infant. Mm -hmm. Dependency no. and subserviency is what Completely, I've seen. Completely, man. And the way also people would, you know, you can liken it to how people would break an animal. Yeah. In order to domesticate them. Yeah. Right? Take a, a horse. Yeah. Running out there. Put you got to You got to yeah. put it in the water. Yeah. Whatnot. And yeah. so it can't move. Yeah. It can't run free. It can't do what it is made to do mm -hmm. naturally. Yeah in order to break its spirit, yeah. to break its mind. Here's an analogy that has been used, and, I, and I'm gonna use rats specifically because a lot of times populations that have been invaded, have been pushed down, controlled, are referred to like rats, like yeah. vermin, right? Yeah. So on an island, if uh, you got a big rat population and you don't like the rat population, there's a way to control the rat population. And rats don't really like cheese, they like fruit. Yeah. So what you do is you create an environment, a space where you can lure a lot of rats and you bring a lot of fruit. Mm -hmm. The rats can get into the space, but they can't get out of the space. It's like a, a door of no return. Right. Right. So what you do is in this space, you make sure it's large. You just get a lot of rotten fruit in this space. Yeah. A lot of stinky Punch rotten it. fruit, yeah. right? And that smells going all over the island. Yeah. The rats are coming, they're getting in there, and they're eating the fruit and they're having a great time. Now what are they doing? Well, they're getting in there, they're eating the fruit, they're screwing, Yeah. they're making babies and sleeping. Yeah. It's paradise, man. Yeah. Because they're like, yo, we're eating, Everything's good. we're screwing, yeah. and we're sleeping. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. Eating, screwing, sleeping. Yeah. Eating, screwing, sleeping, right? Bunch of bunch of rats keep coming in. Now. You got some water in there too, so they can drink. But guess what happens? The water starts to run out, yeah. and the fruit starts to run out. You want to control the rat population. You don't want to kill all the rats. No, when they run out of fruit in that space, the rats start to eat each other. The rats turn on each other. And then what happens is, because this is such a traumatic experience, mm -hmm. it's so vicious that they're eating their young. Yeah. 
you change the DNA code of those rats. Mm -hmm. They no longer are craving fruit. Mm -hmm. In order to survive, they have to crave each other. Wow. And so then what happens is they're, it's carnage. Yeah. They're tearing each other up. Yeah. They're destroying each other. And then you're going to have the most vicious, strongest, and I'm putting up quote signs. Yeah. Toughest, I'm putting up quote signs. Yeah. Hardest, I'm putting up quote signs. Rats. And those few rats that survive that, you immediately let them out on the island. You, you let them run. You but want what, them there. But what you now have is rats that have went through such trauma that they're going to go back out on the island. They don't crave fruit anymore. They crave rats. And then those rats go out and they kill other rats. And then they become your controllers. They become your rat, in a sense, mitigation on the yeah. island. Now take that, that idea of trauma. Yeah. So I'm gonna use land right here, First Nations, native people, disease. Europeans brought a lot of disease with them because they were survivors of the plagues and whatnot. So the only people that survived were the carriers. Yeah. So you had carriers that came over here, but you had populations here that had access to land and fresh water and yeah. lots of food and whatnot. Then yeah. suddenly, first wave of attack was bacteria. Second wave of attack was deception. Hey, we're, we're friends and yeah. this and that, but I'm, I'm really just learning about you in order to eventually kill exploit, you yeah. and exploit you, right? So bacteria, then betrayal was the second wave of attack. Third wave of attack, hey, you're, you're sick, your people are dying, you need some help, we got this thing here. Third wave was weaponization of the Bible, weaponization of religion, you need this, right? Because you're a broken people, you're dying, this yeah. and that, that's a curse that's come upon you because you've been evil, you're yeah. savage, and all these things, right? Yeah. And we're your friends, and we're gonna help you, yeah. right? And so now weaponization of, so bacteria, betrayal, Bible, the next wave is those that are fighting against this and going against it, bullets, all right? So let's go out and kill them, whatnot. Hey, the ones that are with us over here, this nation's like, you know, Mohawks are fighting against Huron, all right? We're gonna divide and conquer, French Indian War. Yeah. Okay. Think about all that stuff. Who's gonna fight with the French? Who's gonna fight with the English? Yeah. And so now you're getting populations that are breaking their social order. Their way of living for ten thousands of years. Yeah. Now, to turn and crave war, to crave dominance. Yeah. It's just like the crave luring people in with the fruit, and then sending them out through trauma, trauma. So bacteria, betrayal, Bible, bullets. Now. Yeah. The next wave is you bring in some other folks that have been captured because there's a feudal fight going on in the land called West Africa. Yeah. And Europeans working with them and you got native folks dying of mass diseases, all this trauma. Yeah. You bring in another population and you put them through all kind of hell before you even leave the coast of Africa. Yeah. You break up the families because if I see my son or my daughter in front of me struggling, I'm gonna fight like a beast in order to protect them. But if I don't know where my partner is now, I don't know where my kids are now, yeah. man, I'm depressed. Yeah. Now you're putting me in a place where I got these shackles around me, there's human waste and feces and smells. Like this is even before getting to the ships. Yeah. Breaking you before you even get to the ships. Yeah. Now, wow, you go through the door of no return is what they literally call the slave yeah. fortresses in Ghana and Mali, right? Yeah. 
Nigeria, you go through the door of no return, you get on the ships, immediately putting the women on the top decks because they're going to be repeatedly raped because if they get pregnant and if that more life cargo. makes it, there's more cargo, there's more product, right? Yeah. Put the men down on lower decks, areas where you should have 15, excuse me, five people, you put in 15. In an area that where there should be five, you put in 15. You pack them in because some are going to die. But hey, maybe a few will make it. You take the weak looking ones, you beat them to death in front of everybody else in order to show dominance and force. You whip people, you pour that salty seawater on it. We're talking an assembly line of trauma. Yeah. Then you get those folks with folks that have already been attacked through the bacteria and the betrayal, the weaponization of the Bible through the bullets. And then they've been going through, these other folks now brought in, going through their assembly line of trauma. Yeah. And then you have indentured servants from like Ireland and England that have been yeah. going through the assembly lines of trauma. But now they're being told, hey, you're superior to these other yeah. people. You got a mess. Yeah. And that is the foundation of the colonial global order right there. Yeah. And now when you build material wealth, you build industrial wealth mm -hmm. on that foundation. Rowdy, that's a house of cards, man. Yeah. If we could name that, and then we can audit that, yeah. and we can start playing Jenga in a virtuous way, yeah. taking the pieces out where it can fall apart yeah. spiritually, energetically, then we could rebuild it. We could build something different. Yeah. But if we don't start spiritually, socially, in a humane, virtuous way, tearing it down, it's gonna come down, man, because it's, this is a violent social order. I have not heard the rats thing before. I knew about the slave ships and I knew about the indigenous people, but that allegory is really poignant because when you think about dominance, who's in charge, mm -hmm. what we point to as success, mm -hmm. usually in order for this system to work, it has to be the most afflicted people by violence to perpetuate violence. They're the, they're the super rats, you know what I mean? Like the, the ones that are built to destroy. And we always point towards the super rat. No. You don't think so? You well, don't think like, well, like I, I, they're mainstream super, society? Well, I think there's... And I'm not saying super in a good... No, no, I get you. Predator rat. I think that there's... Underneath all of this stuff, the first violence is... Before it's the biological stuff, the bacteria. Yeah. The most, the most potent violence is deception. Yeah. It's trickery. And getting people to somehow feel superior or inferior. Yeah. To get people to not build community. To trick people into hating, distrusting, to feeling worthless or super worthy. Trickery. It's potent, man. Yeah. And so what happened with the rat allegory was that trauma of that space, that lure of getting people in. You know, we have to use that allegory to unpack society, you have to juxtapose, well then who's doing the luring? Mm -hmm. What's the stinky fruit? Right. What's the door of no return? Like yeah. what's that trap door we go through, right? Who are the rats? Yeah. Who's tricking the rats? Yeah. What's the space where the rats are trapped in? And then what's the island? And then when they're releasing out to the island, what, what happens to the firing in the rat's mind to make them no longer crave to be vegetarian and suddenly become cannibals? Yeah. All of those processes 
have to be juxtaposed to our current processes in society yeah. so that we don't replicate these patterns of violence. Where are places that you feel like you see the pattern of like, I don't know what you call it, like the recoding of this thing, right? Like you had a thing, it was kind of good. Like I think one of the things that I would like maybe point at and tell me if I'm right or wrong because I'm just kind of getting my idea, my head around this concept because I just heard it. 13 minutes ago. <laughs> um, I felt like, man, when, when I was younger, like I had two friends, they were from Chicago, I was from like San Antonio area. We both moved to a small town in Wisconsin. We both loved hip hop, right? For me, it was like a connection to something bigger. Like in, in the 90s, man, hip hop, consciousness hip hop was so amazing, right? Whoop, whoop, the sound of police back and back then. KRS and we're man. still working on these issues especially in Phoenix today. Yeah, bro. You know? Yeah. Bro. I mean, like they were so far ahead. But then like people ask me if I listen to hip hop and I'm like, not really anymore. I mean, there's still some people out there, but they're really hard to find. Like they're all underground. You know, like we had Atmosphere up in Minneapolis. I don't know if you ever got Yeah, I know Atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like they were really cool and good folks to meet, but like when you look like on the charts for like good hip hop, right, right, right? right? Like there's just commercial rap. And I feel like that commercial rap is pointing at like this idea of, you know, it's it's everybody playing a role. It's, oh, it's not rowdy. communal. It's showing a pattern. But no music has ever. Yeah. This is the thing that we have to really also caution with. So hip hop was a music born out of population surviving historical mm -hmm. trauma. Mm -hmm. Like you go to the Bronx, late 60s, early 70s yeah. is when hip hop was born. Yeah. And that was like black and Puerto Rican kids yeah. coming together as well as poor white kids that yeah. were into the whole punk Ramones yeah. movement yeah. and everything that was happening. Yeah. You had the whole disco craze that yeah. were just coming in too, right? Man, you had like Stonewall, like LGBTQ yeah. rights and stuff. Yeah. Like all that stuff was happening right at that time, yeah. right? And so hip hop was suddenly this sort of birth of like, we're gonna define an art in our own terms. Yeah. Not from the Louvre from France, yeah. not from the whatever big museums are out there telling us is art. Yeah. This is our art yeah. and we're gonna create an industry around it. We're gonna create a science around it, yeah. elements, yeah. the four elements, you know, DJ, MC, breaking graph, right? Yeah. And so what happened was, this was just like what happened with rock and roll. That was poor folks from yep. the South, yeah. country, yeah. poor folks from the South, blues, yeah. gospel. Yeah. Like almost every music, cumbia, salsa, yeah. was born out of slavery. Yeah, and suffering. <laughs> Literally, yeah, it yeah. was born out of suffering. Yeah. It was born out of like pre predominantly black folks surviving some hell. Yeah. You know, jazz. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all this stuff that is like 95 of the stuff percent of the stuff you hear on the radio right now was yeah. born out of suffering yeah but it gets hijacked by these forces yeah. right so right now what's happened with the rap industry and my quote fingers are up yeah and again i'm not calling all things no no right? i know it's I know. the stuff they show you but it's it's and it's, that's what i'm questioning it's convenient. the stuff i've shown it's convenient to say look at this violent music industry because it is now 
Oh, see, I don't think it's the people. It's, no, the, no. it's the people selecting the folks and what they want heard. But it's media engineering because yeah. who's my cherry pie? Like the 80s, yeah. like, you know, the big ha- yeah, hair rock area. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. Like, come on, man. <laughs> Pour some sugar on me. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. it was all about sex, drugs, and violence, yeah. man. The Rolling Stones. Yeah. Come on, man. What's that Keith dude, man? Yeah. He's had his blood trained because he was a heroin addict. Yeah. I mean, so, like, Johnny Cash talked about killing his lady, you yeah. know? I mean, it's it's so... The cocaine blues. <laughs> yeah, dude, there's some wild junk. Yeah. I think violence in industry and art is has always been there. But going back to this whole thing about the rats, like, people here say black-on-black crime, right? Yeah. Never talk about white-on-white crime. White-on-white crime. <laughs> Holocaust. Real problem. World War II. Yeah. Stop Just the current rates of violence. Yeah. I mean, you don't need to go back. Most violence, if we play the race game, is intra-racial. It is within a group. This is what really bothers me. The rate of indigenous First Nation, Native women, that are being killed and raped and trafficked by men that are outside of the reservation. Yeah. They come onto the res. Yeah. Because then they're like, well, who does it? Is it the state? Troopers that handle I know. this? Is it the feds they know that the handle thing. this? Is the, the tribal the police that handles this? Yeah. The local police? Is the yeah. You know, and nobody's yeah. like, well, I don't Nobody know. Nobody takes responsibility. Nobody takes responsibility. Yeah. And so then all these women just yeah. remain missing. Over and over and over. Like it's been happening forever. And only now. And it's funny because I was saying, like, finally we're getting on this issue, right? And someone's like, hey, I'm offended that you said this finally thing because I did hard work. And I'm like, I'm not saying anything about your current work. Right. I'm saying. Why the hell is Mainstream. it 2019? Yes, sir. And we're and the act, the thing that they're doing is studying it. They're not doing something about it. They're gonna look into the issue. I did quote from there. But they're putting up money to look into the issue. Violence to me, the biggest violence is that we didn't know about that. A yeah. lot of them everyday folk. Yeah. Like you and I know, yeah. but a lot of non-native communities yeah. were unaware of that. Yeah. And predators were aware of it and exploited that. Mm-hmm. That's the thing is that when our institutions, education, mm-hmm. industry, corporations, yeah. governance, religious faith institutions, artistic institutions, when we exploit this historical trauma, we exploit this residue yeah. for profit yeah. and we make money off of it because we know it's going to tap into anxiety, worry, fear. Mm-hmm. Isn't it funny that all these horror movies, man, are usually like suburban white families out in the middle of nowhere? I'm like, why are there never horror movies on the res or in the hood or in the audio? Because to live on the res or in the hood in the audio is a horror story. And they didn't know how to tell it because it's all white dudes <laughs> but that it, usually make those things too. But, but we're going to scare this upper middle class white family out in the burbs. Because if you want to go to some poor white communities, let's go to Appalachia and whatnot. There's some horror stories, yeah, right? Yeah. Deep woods of Kentucky, there's some horror stories, right? Where those folks are called white trash. But no, it's always upper middle class white yeah. folks. That's got a nice big house. Because they shouldn't have to be afraid. But who's the boogeyman? Who's the demon in that? The demon is that is that plays into the demonization of 
Arabs or Muslims or black folks or Mexicans or somebody that's gonna be lurking and scare your family. And it, yeah. it, it's, it's a violent pattern that sells merchandise, that sells tickets to blockbuster movies. Yeah. It's lazy mentally as well. That's, oh, a, yeah. that's a violence because we're not getting creative to write new kind of stories, yeah. new kind of models of what it means to heal this stuff, what it yeah. means to transcend and evolve out of this stuff. We just keep tapping into the historical trauma and we use it in comedy. You got a lot of native black Latinx, oh, yeah. Islander, yeah. Filipino communities have been traumatized, you know, that will tap into how parents whoop their ass, right? And that's funny. Tap oh, into man. how, like, the abuse in families, and it's, it's become comedy because we got to laugh to keep from crying. I was having a conversation with a colleague, and we were wondering if there wasn't something to, you know, like, there's a tradition of, like, corporal punishment yeah. in communities of color. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I wonder if that's a replication of the beatings we got colonization you know what i mean like are we doing the same thing that happened to us over and over again and we're just doing it because it did happen mm -hmm. and we're still here but that wasn't our indigenous ways no no but we learned and do it but that was our that was the ways of our divide and conquer our right. conquest yeah. of the historical trauma yeah. the pain and so now what's happening is then we become the rats yeah. that hunt the other rat. And it's really sad, bro. Yeah. When you really think about oh, it. Oh, yeah. I'm really excited we're gonna talk eventually about the afflicted because right. the people that perpetuate this stuff, yeah. the people that think that they're financially, socially, spiritually benefiting yeah. by sustaining this oppression, sustaining this trick. Yeah. I always say the oppressed are the most affected but right. the privilege are the, the most symptoms. but the privilege are the most afflicted. Yeah. The people that don't yeah. have to consider this stuff that have to stay back are really the sickest. Yeah. And they so, have the most symptoms of the problem. Yeah. And yeah. so th these podcasts, these conversations we're having is an invitation to all to the healing. Yeah. To really like breaking these patterns. Yeah. And creating new habits, new patterns. Like, you know, I'm 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 looking at you Rowdy and I'm looking at this you know, I'm looking at the screen and I see this patterns in our voice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, there's points where we get really excited and it gets <laughs> yep. real high. Yep. And then there's this, like a rhythm. Yeah. And it's learning how to have that rhythm of highs and lows. Yeah. And use that to build safe, effective, or healthy places that are eco, ECO centric. Mm -hmm. And that where we share power. That's yeah. it. Yeah. I'm talking a lot. Like, I no, that's you. good. I need you to talk a lot on this one. <laughs> Don't worry. There'll be there'll be times that we we back and forth. It's good. Yeah, but the, but this the historical trauma piece upon the people that are survivors of it. Mm -hmm. I think it gives us an illusion of culture mm -hmm. because our culture is in the shadow of the oppression. Mm -hmm. Our culture is in the shadow of colonization. Mm -hmm. What we call culture is someone asked me once in a panel. Calvin, what's black culture? And I said, surviving whiteness. That's it. Yeah. When my ancestors and your ancestors, our ancestors didn't call themselves black. They were Ashanti, Mandinka, Igbo. Yeah. Our ancestors didn't call themselves red. They were like Arawak and Taino and yeah. Seminole and Yaki yeah. and Apache yeah. and Diné. These words were put upon us. Ancestors that are out on the islands didn't call themselves savage or 
you know, a headhunter. No, the, it was the Simone, most amazing thing is most of those words just mean people. Didn't they? The people, yeah. right? Or the people of. Yeah. On the, the people, the people of, this of the place. desert. Yes, right. Yes. Uh, but it's know, all people centered. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and so And it's not I centered. No. It's we centered. We, we. You yeah. can't survive without the we. Nope. Well, I mean, if you just do a cliche thing, you know, Ness, <laughs> you know, illness, L L N E S S, I is illness. Yeah. But you replace I with we and it's wellness. wellness. Yep. <laughs> and yeah. so the ill is sick. Yeah. But that's, yeah, man. So in what we're doing and where we're going and where we're help, where we're hoping to take people, why is understanding the affected important? What do we do with this understanding so we can take this knowledge hmm. and move forward, right? Because I still worry that someone can hear this and be like, oh, you know, they're the worst. They're broken. They're broken. Yeah. They're the most affected, yeah. right? Yeah. And the other thing that I wanted to make sure that I talked about because I didn't have a chance to mention it is if you're worried about the DNA stuff, if you're worried about the spiritual stuff, just think of the impact of what a system does to a people over time if the system stays the same. Mm. And you still have evidence of generational trauma. Mm -hmm. Like I was, I was telling Calvin when he came in, the fact that I know the police protocol and exactly what to do. And I've always had different partners of a lot of different races, right? Mm -hmm. But whenever I had white partners, they're like, why is your hand on the roof? <laughs> why, why, why is your window down? Yeah. Why, like, what are you why doing? Why have you crossed your hands on the steering wheel? <laughs> right. Like, what are you doing right now? It's called driving while not white. <laughs> right. Um, but that pattern that has to be passed down just so you can survive. Yeah. You know, that the pattern of, you know how to talk to an officer if you've been riding your bike and it's 11 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. If you're poor, there's a lot of great reasons to have to be on the road at 11 o'clock at Why night. Why you put merchandise down in the store and not carry it close to the door. Right. When you've forgotten your wallet outside. You put the merchandise down where yeah. it is yeah. and go out. You don't carry, oh, you carry the merchandise to. to the front because right. If you, you're perceived as a shoplifter, right. you're perceived as inherently violent yeah. or immoral, yeah. and you know you gotta- You're already watched. You're, you know you're being watched. Yeah. The, the piece about the affected, the, the caution of people not immediately going to a genetic inferiority or these are broken people. One, the communities that have been so impacted by historical trauma, I think really have an opportunity to teach communities that are afflicted yeah because when we begin to tap into when we begin to remember who we are to remember our worth to remember our power in surviving historical trauma mm -hmm. to remember the clairvoyance and intuition and all this stuff we've been building mm -hmm. to make it through this yeah that can be translated into healing tools into new civilization building patterns mm -hmm. into ways of evolving a a culture that connects the world yeah because we're still here we didn't die the acuteness of the problem yeah. means we could never have done it alone right so a survival technique was getting back to the thing that always made us being able to survive right which was community right right and that's what privileged people don't know or get because they were never raised in this thing no you know what i mean we didn't worry about who was going to eat because if i had money i paid for you right and when you had money you paid for me and so i didn't have to worry about well, why i got no money what do we do oh my god oh my god oh, you know what i mean i got people that would take care of me i know i mean i can go to so many people's houses and get fed man there's there's this bunk ass book paul gorski goes hard on it i like his work but uh 
It's called A Framework for Understanding Poverty by Ruby Payne. Mm -hmm. You know, and she talks, I mean, she talks about this idea of generational and situational poverty, right? Mm -hmm. But she's a wealthy white woman that dubbed herself the expert on poverty. So now, hold up. What, what's a trip in this book is that she does tap into something, though, mm-hmm. that was kind of interesting. She talks about, and she was basically criticizing it, putting it down, but like, well, poor people will not keep a lot of money. They don't save well, she says, because they know that, you know, you got to make sure everyone in the community, you know, has to get a little bit of money and whatnot, because there's going to be a time where you're going to be in need again mm-hmm. and then the community is going to happen if you don't share yeah. then they're not going to share with you right so yeah. you better be sure to share and they they never accumulate and build wealth because yeah. they don't share <laughs> and like wow so to just hoard keep stacking my chips right yeah and she was criticizing this practice yeah criticizing this idea of reciprocity right this idea of communal caretaking right and it it just blew me away because the idea that poverty is seen as somehow a sin yeah greed's the sin yeah then we have to audit wealth that wealth means hoarding right Right. well you can't accrue wealth in a lifetime (laughs) that's not how it works (laughs) so this this that's just some money (laughs) wealth is accrued over lifetimes and pass from lifetime to lifetime. So we're meant to share. Yeah. We're meant to share, right? But not just share like possessions, but understanding, knowledge, and yeah. whatnot. So the affected that have survived historical trauma, I believe, have an opportunity to share the wealth of skills we've built to survive this, the wealth of intuition and clairvoyance we've built surviving this. For those who are, in a sense, working or collaborating, I don't use the word ally. Okay. I use the word family. Because an ally can imply that's your problem and I come to help you with your problem. Right. But then I go back to my, my situation. Yeah. Family means like, no, we share this problem. Yeah. We're sharing this situation. I love you and we're family mm-hmm. and I'm going to work with you on this. Mm-hmm. So to me, ally can imply that it's, it's, it's a transactional relationship, whereas family is... You don't think advocate does that? An advocate is someone that can speak for. Right. And I just... I'm kind of nutty, right? I got my own my own language. No, that's okay. <laughs> that's good. But the I think because I think I guess the reason I ask is because I see ally as part of the evolution of family. It's it's getting there. My concern, but it should just be a temporal space. I agree. It's 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 being weaponized a lot okay. in our institutions. Yeah, that's my concern. Is that yeah. it's being weaponized and used in a way to kind of say, well, you're not an ally. I'm an ally. And so it reinforces the demonization, deification. It reinforces social violence. Yeah. Whereas in a family, we just accept families have violent issues. Yeah. There's no perfect family. There's right. dysfunction and we're always working. So in a family, it's just acknowledging there's gonna be violent things that happen and we gotta work on it. We're always working on it. Yeah. Right? This idea of, of family, those people that are working with, that are coming from the afflicted community, mm-hmm to work with the affected community with historical trauma and understanding that just because you're coming into these communities doesn't mean you're going to be automatically accepted. Mm -hmm. That there's some proving you have to do because you may be the face, the gender, the the belief system. You look like the snake. You look like the poison. You look like the monster. Like you said, the snake that's coming in. And so you got to prove that first you're worthy. 
You gotta prove, now it's time for you to prove your worth yeah. to these communities that historically people like you made to feel worthless. Yeah. And you're gonna learn a we, lot. We lose people is in the, they don't know the process or what it looks like. Right. They're afraid to leave the safeness of the solitary privilege. Mm -hmm. They don't understand how long it's gonna take to be down to be family. They don't know how to navigate it. They make mistakes and they're chided for their mistakes and then they think that means they're bad instead of us saying you're, you're learning, right? Like that journey's hard. And, and the stamina for that journey, I believe, comes from a spiritual space. Yeah, it's, it's not formulas. It's not something you read. Right. It's not just books and understanding data. Yeah. You know, that stuff's all great and helpful. Yeah. But the, the real stamina to, to endure to go through this is a stamina that the effective communities have built for so long surviving this. Yeah. So we don't think of it as stamina. We think of it as just, it's just what you do. Yeah, it's what it takes. <laughs> it's just what it, yeah. it's just, it just keep, keeps you breathing, bro. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. whereas folks that have not had to develop that stamina are like, this is, this is so hard. We're coming from oh my a God. space yeah. too, right? Yeah. You're going for, from fragility. Right. And you're trying to get to resilience right. from fragility. Right. And nobody understands your walk. Because, I mean, <laughs> like the communities that are resilient can't, like, how do I tell you how to do that? I've never needed to know. You know what I mean? Like, that's one of the things I wish. Yeah, bro. That people in privileged spaces, if they could, like, better articulate the journey from fragility to resilience to family. And, and it's not, like you said, it's not one path, it's not one thing. It's a sharing of the awakenings and the feelings and it's, the connections. It's messy. Yeah. Relationships are messy. Yeah. And, and what we want, what we've been trained is that there's a one plus one equals two. Yeah. There's a formula. It's a journey. It's yeah. a lifestyle. And it's touch and base. It's, but there's also a grieving process because it's some of letting what we thought was reality die. Yeah. What we thought was truth die. Yeah. Well, it, it's kind of accepting radically that we've been betrayed. Now, those that are affected understand that betrayal because yeah. we've been surviving it, yeah. right? We've been, yeah. we see the trick, we see the monster, we yeah. got it. Yeah. But the folks that, you know, a lot of white folks is like, wow, what I thought was great and good and I, I, I've been tricked. I've been sold a, a bill of goods and that can be crippling, man. Yeah. That's where the affected have to then, in a sense, teach those folks like, okay, now you're humble. Mm -hmm. Now you're getting humble. Yeah. And this is what it means to think in multiple layers. This is what it means to live in multiple realities. This is what it means to consider this while considering that. This is what it means to navigate a minefield while being on a treasure hunt. Okay. A lot of white folks have just been on a treasure hunt. Yeah. But non-white folks have been on a treasure hunt while navigating a minefield. Yeah. And that's a violent reality. Yeah. Man, that's good stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's sad, horrible things, but it's really important knowings. But there's possibilities of greatness, of yeah. beauty. Yeah. There's possibilities of a new human family on earth like we've never seen. Yeah. In a way that is not hurting each other. Yeah. Hurting the planet. Yeah. Healing. Anti-venom is found in the venom. Yeah. Antidotes for disease are found in the disease. Yeah. And healing stings. Yeah. It always hurts. Yeah, man. Especially growing. I mean, growing hurts. Growing pains. We talked about this in a couple of podcasts back. It's yeah. about building muscles. Yeah. It always hurts. Yeah, it must man. hurt. Yeah. It, it requires sacrifice. Yeah. But we're better. 
the better for it. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed this one. This was neat. This was like it was deep, really philosophical, and I felt like I I learned things for sure. I don't know if the rest of you learned anything, but I know I walked away learning something new and different. And the other thing uh, that I wanted to mention too, for those folks that didn't have a sense of what this stuff looks like, as far as like evidence of the affected. I found a some research that showed how the effects of trauma, whether you have or have not had PTSD, actually changes some of your your DNA methylation in alterations in human offsprings. So it's one of those things that is passed from person to person. And this came, uh, it was published online in 2018. And I'm not seeing the author. Oh, uh, Yusef, Lockwood, Sue, Howe, and Rutan. Seems like a diverse group of people that came yeah, together. Yeah, sounds on that one. like That's good. yeah. It's a little like... community right there. <laughs> um, but some family some evidence family. and proof of this thing and that it exists. And if you want other other little things that'll help you understand this more, Tanahasi Coates, Between the World and Me, and mm. trying to help his his him having to explain the American experience to his son was really, I mean, unbelievably eloquent. And I also really liked the conversation that he had with with an absent Mitch McConnell. Uh, yesterday in the news in talking about reparations <laughs> getting a sense of who had to do what to satisfy to to survive what some of the readings by John Trudeau Russell means will help you understand this process means and what that stuff looks like I don't have any one thing that I can recommend but pick up anything and you'll begin your journey yeah. if you want to understand the indigenous experience of what historical trauma meant what about you what are some recommendations you got there's actually a fictional book that I think is really powerful and it's okay. about generations where it and it's this woman her name is ya y a a Gayasi, G-Y-A-S-I, the book is called Homegoing. Okay. And she basically talks about one sister, these sisters were separated, like at birth, whatever. Mm -hmm. One sister's working with the English, and her tribe is working with the English, and they're capturing people, and they sell them into slavery. Mm -hmm. And then the other sister is part of the people that are enslaved. Mm -hmm. So the one sister is married to an English guy and it's a vicious situation, but she's upstairs with him in his bed. Mm -hmm. And the other sister is down in the bowels in the dungeons in the slave fortress underneath. Mm -hmm. And then it goes over generations of their family. And then this healing circular piece, like a lot of indigenous things do, yeah. to come back when great, 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 great grandchildren, like seven generations, yeah. come back to this healing. Yeah. Of like meeting back in Ghana. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's 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 it'll make you cry. It's beautiful. Yeah. I know there's some really good stuff out there on YouTube. Some Hawaiian elders and some Samoan elders talking about like historical trauma and like what is reality and this stuff about how it can affect people. Any any stuff on epigenetics, you know, yeah. Rowdy's hitting on this. A prime example of that is fetal alcohol syndrome. Mm -hmm. You know, when you look at that, that yeah. concept, yeah. you look at the impacts of certain substance abuse and drug activity on children, yeah. you know? People born and, addicted to yeah, people. Yeah, and so, you know, you think about generations of that stuff. Uh, there's been conversations about what's going on with fibroids and certain like women of color, particularly black and native women, you know, with uh, offspring and children because of just the generations upon rape, upon rape, you know, and how that's affecting infertility and like birth rates and infant yeah. infant mortality rates and whatnot. Mother mortality rates. Yeah, yeah. And so there's a lot of stuff 
about this. And then, you know, before even uh, so-called non-white populations, but you could just look at, you know, what happened with Irish populations, you know, like what happened over there with just years of trauma, what happened with them before colonization even happened throughout the planet. There's a lot of this, I mean, but then there's, I think there's also a deep piece where there are populations that were not impacted by colonization, European colonization. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were impacted, they were encroached upon, but they maintain their art, religion, and sciences. Mm -hmm. So like India is a prime example. India was colonized by the Dutch and the English, yeah. but they maintain like Bengali and Kudrati and Punjabi ways. They, they still have Hinduism and Sikhism yeah. and Jainism. They have their there art, religion, and science. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so, like, if you look at Han populations, like yeah. Northern Asia, right? Mm -hmm. Northeast Asia, where they maintain their art, religion, and sciences, if you will. But Filipino populations, Southeast Asian populations, there's, there's more Catholics in the Philippines probably than in the Vatican. Yeah. You know, and then Tagalog that was interrupted, where you have Spanish mixed in. And yeah. so, then you look at those populations and what's going on where people in a sense had their original art, religion, and sciences in a sense washed away by European colonization. Mm -hmm. you, you, see, you see some epigenetic stuff happening. Yeah. You see some historical trauma res residue happening. Yeah. And when people can really name that and wake up to that, I think there's a lot of repair and restoration and remembering that will people can go from zero to hero in, yeah. a, in a splash yeah. and then not just take care of their own but then contribute to that global healing. Yeah, I think the, the thing that gives me the most hope is, you know, when we talk about broken or subjugated or minimalized, mm -hmm. um, this is where the healers come from. Yeah, man. You know, and not that they're the only people that can heal, right? Right. But healed people heal people. Yes. You know, and anybody can become a healed person. Yes. But they're going to be the spark that starts that thing. And anybody could become an internet space, but we right. understand the depth of the issue. When we really dig deep into this, the sciences of global healing will not come from the ivory towers. No. They will not come from the existing institutions. They will come from communities that have been seen as the most broken or bad. They will, they will come from the street, like yeah. hip-hop did. Yeah. You know, like jazz did, like yeah. country did, like yeah. western. It came from the slaves. Yeah. That's art came out of the people that were being, that were surviving hell. Yeah. The creation of heaven on earth is going to come from the people that have survived hell. Mm -hmm. I tell youth, if you survive hell, you gotta, you got the power to build heaven. Yeah. So with that, tell them how they can get a hold of you, how you, uh, how you can talk to you if they want to bring you out, talk about this. Yes, yes. Calvin, C-A-L-V-I-N, B as in boy, dot Terrell, T-E-R-R-E-L-L, -L, at gmail.com. That's my email. Send me an email, uh, Calvin at CalvinTerrell.com, uh, or CalvinTerrell.com is my website, or Social Centric, Social Centric, C-E-N-T-R-I-C, is the name of uh, my nonprofit, SocialCentric.com. But reach out. And uh, yeah, if you want to give me a call, that's 602-265-6812. Yeah, look, we, we got a lot of work to do. Yeah. And with that, if you want to talk to us, which we'd love, uh, you can get a hold of us at 860-576-9393. Again, one more time, that number is 860-576-9393. You can text it too if you don't want to have to listen to your voice on voicemail. <laughs> Although, I mean, I would encourage you to be here with us in as much way as you can because we'd love to hear you. 
uh, and respond to you uh, and be in community with you. Uh, and if you want to get a hold of me, inclusiveactivism at cox.net is the email address. Uh, the website is inclusiveactivism.com. Let us know in what way we can help, be part of the conversation, uh, and be part of the healing. Because as we can see, this is a deep and complex issue. And um, I think we're better for having the conversations yes, together. Yeah. But let us know how we're helping you, too. You know, like, kick us some encouragement down the way. Please, please. Because, uh, you know, we, when we were envisioning this, we were like, you know, what if some kid in the Philippines was listening? Mm -hmm. And what if he started a healing circle where he was, like, understanding this stuff? Or yeah. some little girl out in just, you know, middle of nowhere. You know, that's what's amazing about yeah. what technology can do to connect exactly. us. So exactly. I'm excited about it. So with that, uh, we're looking forward to hearing you next time. So with that, I'll say uh, all my best and you. Blessings, as always. Blessings. Thank you.